Good morning. Well, this is a good sight, isn't it? It is, you bet. (laughs) Right on. Well, why don't we start this morning by singing together. Take your hymn books and let's turn to number 529. You won't see the words up front this morning, so 529 in your hymn books. Yeah, you'll have to go for a little walk. And why don't we stand? is one of my favorite hymns, and my wife knows it. (laughs) Well, good morning to all of you. It's good to see you here. It is good uh, probably to uh, welcome some guests. I don't know, uh, uh, during this time of COVID, I think uh, we've all had the opportunity to do a little bit of church hopping. 
And uh, we have sometimes thought, I wonder what it will look like once people start gathering again. Maybe there will be a little bit of shuffling going on. So, if you're new here today, welcome here. We are glad you're with us. And uh, certainly we're glad to see all the familiar faces. And maybe we should, uh, this would be a good time to remind ourselves to be a welcoming church. Every one of us can be a welcomer uh, uh, at the door or any, anywhere here in the building. When you see someone you don't know, go and welcome them and make them feel like, uh, like, they're, like they belong here or that they're welcome here. And uh, you never know uh, who you're going to welcome. Of course, this does bring up the situation that sometimes you welcome somebody who's actually been attending here for quite some time. <laughs> some of you have done that. So have I. <laughs> uh, but I would say if that happens to you, don't be embarrassed. Uh, just take it as a cue to get to know somebody that you don't know very well yet. And if you're the one who gets uh, welcomed here after you've been here for years, uh, don't take offense. Just also say, you know, I, this is my home, but uh, why don't we get to know each other and, uh, and really build the fellowship of this body. <clears throat> for an opening this morning, I'm going to draw our attention just a little bit to Afghanistan. Many of us have heard of what is going on there. The U.S. Army has withdrawn, leaving a power vacuum that the Taliban, a terrorist organization, was quick to fulfill, or quick to fill. The Afghans, uh, who helped the Americans while they were there, are afraid for their lives. And uh, missionaries are afraid for their lives. The believers in Afghanistan are afraid for their lives. <clears throat> and it is, a, it is a great time of testing for the church so I would encourage us to remember our brothers and sisters there who are suffering for the name of Christ in that dire situation. And then also remember that there will be those in this turmoil that will come to Christ and become part of our body, the body of Christ. I'm going to read a few scriptures uh, that uh, relate to this. John 15, verses 18 to 20, uh, Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And then from Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Knowing that persecution is part of the Christian life, let's pray that 
that the believers there in Afghanistan will remain firm in faith to their dying breath. And that they would have the confidence, I'm just thinking the part of the world they're in, that they might have confidence even as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did when they answered King Nebuchadnezzar. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So let's pray that our brothers and sisters there will have that same confidence and courage, and then uh, we can also pray for ourselves. That might one day happen here. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, you alone are God and there is no other. We acknowledge your sovereignty over all creation, all that is seen and unseen. We believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who died and was raised, having conquered death and promised eternal life to all who trust him. And we have gathered for worship here in this land, where we are yet safe and have freedom to worship. Today, we remember our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, understanding that they do not have the freedom to meet and worship publicly. So we ask, Father, that you would meet them in their hour of need. Their lives are under threat. Their faith is under threat, and we ask that you would protect and strengthen both. Make them bold and courageous as they contend for the truth of the gospel and seek to stand firm to the end. So as we worship here this morning, and as the church in Afghanistan worships you from the trenches of persecution, we commit them to your care and ask you to act. May your name be greatly praised for what you are about to do. And so we want to pray together the prayer that the Lord taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's continue worshiping together. Would you take your hymn books and turn to number 558. My hope is built on nothing less.
Let's look at a few announcements we have here this morning. Our missionaries of the week are K&K. VBS is going to be held this week. Uh, so uh, please pray that this, will, uh, that this work will, will bear fruit. Um, uh, Anna Friesen and Eileen Engbrecht and Chris Dirksen and Val Dick are involved and uh, there may be a few others. So pray for them as they minister to the 15 or so children they anticipate ministering to. Uh, our Sunday school is, going, is looking for a new superintendent. So uh, 
please talk to Eileen Dick if this is a, something that interests you. Church Council will meet this week, Tuesday at 7. Pastor Dean will be on vacation this week, uh, and uh, also Susan. So uh, we can pray for Carrie Martins and Wendy Weeb, who will be filling in for her. Office hours this week will be 9 to 4. Then we're, uh, the ministerial is planning a communion service for September 19. So you can start preparing for that. As far as people who are uh, in need of our prayers, uh, Anne Thiessen has uh, just been at, uh, at the hospital uh, with a heart attack. She is back home now and recovering. So please pray for her recovery and please also pray for Leona Berg and Betty Reimer who are there currently. <clears throat> And of course, we also want to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. So, would you, uh, would you please stand as we pray together? Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge that you are God and there is no other. We acknowledge uh, the Lordship of Jesus. And Father, we, with glad hearts, bend the knee and, and give you praise. And it's because we have been purchased with the blood of Jesus that we have the confidence to come before you with the things that burden our hearts, and we trust they burden yours also. Father, this week we want to remember K&K, our missionaries of the week. Um, They are still here, and we pray, Father, that as they are here, uh, uh, that you would give them uh, the, the refreshment that is needed, that you would build them up, that you would strengthen them for the work that is ahead and for the return to their work. I thank you, Father, for, uh, for calling them to this ministry, and we as a church have the privilege to support them, and we, we pray that, you would, um, that your word would not go uh, out and come back empty, but, Father, that, that the work that is done in your name would bear fruit for the kingdom. Father, we also thank you for our VBS program. We pray for those who are doing the uh, leadership there, that you'd give them wisdom and joy to serve, and that also it would uh, leave a lasting impact on the children, that they would uh, consider Jesus and, um, and commit their lives to him. We're also looking for a Sunday school superintendent, Father, and we pray that you would touch the person that should fill this role and that you would uh, call that person forward and, and make it known to us so that we can, we can have a leader there. Father, we also pray for Pastor Dean and Cheryl as, as, as Dean is again taking some vacation time. We pray for refreshment for them. And also for Susan as she takes a week off. And then for Carrie and Wendy as they uh, offer their gifts to the church uh, in, in place of, uh, of Susan. Father, we also know that as communion approaches, that there is work to do for some possibly for many of us. I don't know, but you know. And so, Father, we want to be clean before you. We also want to be clean before each other. And I pray that you would help us prepare and uh, that you would go before us as we seek to repair relationships that may be strained. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to prepare. And we also pray for those who are not well, Father. Ann Thiessen, Leona Berg, Betty Reimer. We pray that your hand of healing would be upon them that you would uh, also strengthen them in this hour of need, that, they, that as they cry out to you, Father, that they would sense your presence and that you would strengthen their faith 
and help them to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, Father, we pray for our friends, our brothers, brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Thank you, Father, that uh, people uh, that work at MCC have have made it out. We know that there are uh, other uh, that there are missionaries there who have not made it out, and we pray for them. We pray for the many people who are not um, for whom Afghan is, Afghanistan is not their home country, and we pray that you would help them to find <clears throat> safe passages home. And we also pray, Father, for the many believers that are there. Um, they will be their lives are in danger just because they love Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that you would strengthen them to be bold, to be courageous, to be firm in faith to the very end. And then, Father, as people die in your name, that your that your word would go forth, and that lives would be changed, and that those who survive will also uh, continue to spread the good news, and draw uh, that many will be drawn to the kingdom. Father, now we have the opportunity, because of the tremendous blessing with which you have blessed us, to return to you that which you have blessed us with. And so, Father, I pray that you would accept our offerings and that uh, you would use them as you see fit. Thank you, Father, for meeting us here. We worship you. We love you. Hallowed be your name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I don't know. Is offering being? Oh, it is coming. Okay, good. Offering plates are coming. Good morning. Uh, Scripture reading this morning will be from uh, Daniel 6, verses 1 to 28, 
It's entitled Daniel in the Lion's Den. I'll be reading from the NIV. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor neglect or negligent. Sorry. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it is something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, perfects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be replaced or repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human except being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or you, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. 
At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you served continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions had overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Thus far the reading of God's word. Thank you, Dennis, for reading the scripture for us this morning. The Bible is full of people who were faithful to the Lord, and Enoch was just one of those individuals, yet we do not know much for him, about him except for the four verses recorded in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 and 24. Let me just read these four verses for you. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. From this portion of scripture, we learn a few things about him. First, Enoch lived before the flood during a time when mankind had become increasingly more and more wicked. And then God sent a flood to destroy mankind. Second, Enoch started to walk with God at 65. I want you to notice that. He started to walk with God at the age of 65, with the birth of his first child. Following this, he walked with God 300 years. Something must have happened to him that changed the course of his life. Something impacted him that decided or wanted to make him to change something within his life. And I believe it was the birth of his child. It was the birth of this child because he began to think to himself that he had to have a life that would that walked with God to be an example to him. You know, there are things that change the course of our lives every once in a while, a circumstance, a situation, an experience. And a friend of mine I know 
um, his brother had gone ice fishing. And as he had gone out ice fishing, it was out on a lake during the spring. He had taken his truck out with a number of other individuals, and somehow the ice gave way, and the truck went into the water. And then he began to pray for God to save him, and the Lord allowed him to escape out of the truck to come to the top and to be saved. His life was changed. Although he had made a commitment when he was young, I want to tell you, he began to walk with God, and he was on fire for the Lord, and he lived a faithful life. A friend of mine who owned and rode a motorcycle loved to go riding. When his first child was born, his wife said to him, I think you need to get rid of your bike because your son needs a father. And he got rid of the bike. Why? Just look at the statistics. In December 19220, according to Adam S. Kutner, attorney of law, 13 cars out of every 100,000 are involved in a fatal accident. The motorcycles have a fatality rate of 72 per 100,000. And also for every mile traveled, motorcycles are 35 times likelier to have a fatal accident than car drivers. So when Enoch's first child was born, he walked with God because he wanted to be an example to his child. He wanted to be an example um, that his child would follow the Lord. And then third, the scriptures tell us, then he, Enoch, was no more because God took him away. And most Christian commentators agree with the phrase, then he was no more because God took him away, means that in a similar way that Elijah was caught up into heaven on a chariot of fire, so Enoch did not die, but God took him. Because he was a righteous man, he lived a holy life. Only two in the Old Testament of people who did not die who were taken up to heaven. In the New Testament, many believers were faithful to the Lord and have even given their lives for the gospel. And the Apostle Paul was just one of these individuals. Listen to him as he describes his life in serving Jesus, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 21 through 28. He says this, What anyone else dares to boast about, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the, from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my own countrymen. 
in dangers from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Close quote. Then, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, as he is facing execution, his life is coming to the end, he writes this to Timothy, his son in the faith. He says, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me that day, on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Close quote. The Apostle Paul was a man of faith, lived a life of faith, and remained to the Lord and remained faithful to the Lord to the very end. Both Enoch and Paul are two examples of those who remained faithful to the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you for the men of faith that we find in the scriptures. We find that they are in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And today, as we look at the life of Joseph once more, when he is in the lion's den or getting ready to be thrown, that he was a man faithful unto you. And he did not shirk his responsibilities, but he lived an obedient life. I pray, Father, that as we examine his life and our own lives, we can see how we can live a faithful life as he did and many others through the scriptures and many other peoples who are not in the scriptures but who have their lived lives um, to this very day, those from the past. And I pray, Father, that we would be faithful as others have been faithful to you. Help us to understand what it means to be faithful and then to live a life by your strength to do your calling. For this we pray, amen. This morning we want to continue on, Daniel in the lion's den, remaining faithful to the Lord, part two. Remaining faithful to the Lord, and we'll just take a quick look at what we talked about last week from verses 1 through 9 in chapter 6. We said remaining faithful to the Lord, number one, brings advancement. Of course, that happened within uh, Daniel's life. Daniel lived a life to remain faithful to the Lord and loyal to the one he also served to others. Since Daniel was faithful in serving under King Nebuchadnezzar, he was immediately placed in leadership position when the Medes and the Persians conquered Babylon. The new King Darius set Daniel as one of the three administrators over the empire with plans to make him head of all the administrators over the whole kingdom. This action brings about an unpleasant surprise for Daniel 
co-workers. Second, we find remaining faithful to the Lord. Number two, brings out jealousy in others. Verses four and five. Some administrators and the satraps didn't like Daniel at all. First, perhaps it was because he was not a native to Babylon. Second, he was a Jew. And finally, Daniel always did his work with excellence. There could be nothing found that he was negligent or that he didn't do his work properly. Number three, remaining faithful to the Lord, brings out plotting by others found in verses six and nine. Now these administrators and satraps concoct a plan to have King Darius make a few laws for the next, or pardon me, make a law for the next 30 days prohibiting anyone from praying to anyone, any God except him. As we begin this, as we begin today, this now leads us to our fourth truth, remaining faithful to the Lord, number four, brings out a person's true character. Remaining faithful to the Lord brings out a person's true character. How faithful was Daniel? According to verse 10, it states this. Now Daniel, when, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. This was a, character, uh, this was a pattern of his life. It didn't happen just now. It continued on from young. Here we find Daniel is a firm believer in prayer. This is the way that he communed and fellowshiped with God. Prayer was part of his life, and Daniel knew that his governing ability came from God's empowerment through his daily walk with God. And that's how God was able to instruct him. Because he walked with God, he knew God. He had an intimate relationship with the Lord. Notice that when he learned about the law prohibiting prayer, he didn't change his habits. He didn't change or try to hide what he was doing. Yes, he prayed in private because he prayed in his own home on the second floor. However, he prayed facing the window which opened up towards Jerusalem. People from the street could not see him, but those who wanted to spy him, spy on him, would certainly make his, their way over and see what he was doing. After all, Daniel's accuser had already discovered that he prayed to the Lord three times a day. That is why they conned the king into making the law that they wanted him in order to catch Daniel. Daniel prayed three times a day because he knew how important prayer was. However, he didn't only pray when there was hardship or his life was in danger or when something threatening or there was some type of threatening circumstance. Instead, this was a practice, a habit. It was his life. It was who his life was wrapped up in. His life was wrapped up in God. 
Listen to King David when he says about what he says about prayer in Psalm chapter 55 verses 16 through 18. Psalm chapter 55 verses 16 through 18. David says, but I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry in distress, and he hears my voice. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. And he knew what it was like to run for his life when Saul was chasing him. All over Israel, and even outside of Israel, Saul chased him, and David knew how to cry to God and where his help came from. In the same way, I believe that Daniel at this time was praying about the situation that he was trapped in. Remember, this is a practice that he is doing. It just doesn't happen because all of a sudden he's caught in a situation. And because sometimes you and I will do that. You know, we lax or wane in prayer and something happens to us and immediately we know where to go. We go to prayer. But how much better it is, how more important it is that we have a consistent, dedicated time with the Lord each and every day the same way that Daniel had That is why it is so important to pay regularly, consistently, and faithfully. Sometimes we get into dire circumstances and fail to bring our requests before the Lord because we we haven't made prayer a regular part of our life. At some crossroads, where there is very little little traffic. We can get into the habit of only yielding to the stop sign and zipping right through the intersection. Have you ever done that? I've been in places like that. Nobody comes. Nobody's around for miles and miles. And you get into the habit of just yielding and zooming quickly through. Then suddenly one time another vehicle is coming and there is a collision because we got into the habit of not stopping at the stop sign. And consequences are horrendous. They're catastrophic. That is precisely the same way we fail to stop regularly for prayer. And cease what we're doing and to be in communion with the Lord. Take regular prayer away and all hell breaks loose. We need to stop. We need to pray. We need to come before the Lord. How does Daniel's breaking the law conflict with the Apostle Paul's admonishing found in Romans chapter 2 to withhold the law of the land? Have you ever asked that question? Because now he was breaking this law. As believers, we are called to support and maintain the law of the land when it does not conflict with the law of God. In Acts chapter 5 that we're all familiar with, when the Jewish authorities told Peter and the other apostles to stop proclaiming the gospel, what did they say? And Peter replies in verse 29 of chapter 5, we must obey God rather than men. C. 
Stephen R. Miller puts it clearly when he says, Corrie ten Boom broke the law of Germany when she hid the Jews from the Nazis during World War II. But she would have broken a higher law had she not tried to prevent the murder of the innocent. Today's Christians are being called upon to make difficult ethical choices. As the world becomes more and more secular and sinful, believers will increasingly find themselves taking stands that are unpopular and positions that may even violate the law of the land. Close quote. In verses 11 and 12, we now learn something about the true character of Daniel's enemies. Listen to Daniel's enemies. Verse 11, then these men went out as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decrees. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown to the lion's den? And the king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Close quote. First, the people who hated Daniel knew that there would have to be many witnesses if they were to catch Daniel praying and make a case. Instead, they reminded, or second, they didn't tell the king right away that they saw Daniel praying when they came to him. They didn't mention that. Instead, they reminded the king of the law that he had made, which could not be repealed or revoked. Third, these people were cold-blooded murderers who wanted to have Daniel killed with the law they conned the king into writing. We also learn more about the true character of Daniel here. Daniel knew what this group was up to. And he knew that he could go to no one except the Lord himself. He knew there was no one to go to. Corey Temboom was right when she said, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. And how true that is when we have no options, when we're pressed into a corner, when there is no one where we can go to and the Lord is only, then you realize at that time that Christ is sufficient. But many times we don't learn that until we're pressed into the situation and there's no one else that we can go to. This morning, each of us have to ask ourselves, what is my true character when it comes to praying? Are we faithful? Are we consistent? Are we dedicated? 
Now this leads us to the fourth truth. Remaining faithful to the Lord brings out further opposition found in verses 13 through 15. Verses 13 through 15 indicate that the administrators and the satraps have set up the king so that he is forced into a corner. They said, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? Of course Darius knows what he has done and what he has said. And so he replies, not knowing that he is being set up. He replies, the decrees stand in accordance with the laws and the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Verse 12. Immediately these schemers say to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decrees you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Please notice how they try to belittle and humiliate Daniel by saying, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. Daniel was being placed as a person who was captured and one who was not one of them. He was an exile. He was a foreigner. He was from somewhere else. He was a Jew. He was not one of them. These men failed to realize that Daniel is over 80 years old, probably 82 years at this time. He has served 66 years under four kings and two kingdoms. Each king sought his advice and held held Daniel in high esteem. Daniel throughout his whole life served in leadership. Daniel soon was going to be appointed to be next to the king in power with all the administrators being accountable to him. More importantly, he was personal friends with King Darius. But most important, most important, he is a servant of the living God. And God worked through him because he has been faithful all of his life. Daniel was not worried about further opposition. It was not his lofty achievements or his credentials or his relationship with the king that gave him peace that day. Instead, it was his faith in God and that God would continue to be faithful even as God had was or even as God was faithful for the last 66 years and Daniel stood on it and it was also that Daniel remained faithful to the Lord being obedient to the Lord Daniel had a clear conscience No regrets, regrets, nothing to look back on because he walked faithfully with God. So what can we learn from Daniel's life about remaining faithful to the Lord? First prayer was an essential part 
of Daniel's life. Daniel prayed three times a day, which indicated he had a close, intimate relationship with the Lord. And I don't think it's so important that we pray morning, noon, and night. The pattern that is set here is that he had a relationship with God and he walked with him. This is how the Lord guided and directed him in all that he did. And if you and I want to have an impact on others and see God at work in our lives and in this church, we have to stop and we have to pray. We have to stop. We have to pray. We have to cease our activity. And we have to get before the Lord. And we have to seek his face. Second, peace and a clear conscience only comes when we have remained faithful to the Lord in face of opposition. When we are listening and obeying That is the way that we remain faithful to the Lord. Because if we don't listen and we don't obey, chances are we aren't faithful to the Lord. My prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that we will seek the Lord with all of our hearts. We cease from activities that will keep us from praying. And we come before him and God will be faithful to us also when we are faithful to him. Would you take your hymn books and let's sing together, closing hymn number 592, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. I don't think we can sing this sitting down.
better clothes. Of course, a benediction. Same that came from last week. Philippians chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the avenue of prayer. And Lord, that we can come before you at any time. But yet, Lord, you call us to have a set time. A time when we block out the world. A time when we come before you and we commune with you face to face. I pray, Father, that you would call us to prayer as never before. Because anything that is done in the flesh will not count. I pray now that over the next weeks and months that we would be called a people of prayer, a people who are committed to you, a a people who will walk with you. May you work through each of us and draw us closer to you as we do your will and help win this world to your your faith. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may go in the power of his spirit.